Welcome to Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast about entrepreneurship-led economic development. Here is your host, David Ponraj, founder and CEO of Economic Impact Catalyst. Wendy Leah, welcome to Breaking Down Barriers. Well, uh, it's fun to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the work you do with Energize Colorado and the work you do nationally. Okay, sure. My honor to do that. So Energize Colorado was launched really in response to COVID uh, to help Colorado's very smallest businesses. First, to just maneuver through a gnarly set of crises, not just the pandemic. All the things that the pandemic exposed all over the U.S. were true here, too. And then after we got through that phase, we had a lot of work to still do. The gaps were significant for underserved entrepreneurs, not just on the capital side, but on the digital side, on the talent side. I could go on and on, I won't, but it's been an honor and a pleasure to be a catalyst, and you know what it means to be a catalyst, in the small business ecosystem here in our state. So this is a perfect podcast for you because we talk about how do you break down the barriers and you've mentioned a lot of communities that have been traditionally marginalized. Can you tell us a little bit more about in recent days, what is Energize Colorado doing specifically to address a lot of these barriers? Yeah, well, in the beginning, we did anything the government or anyone else needed us to do, right? From policy changes or influence them down to helping out with a new website. So it was not very organized. At one time, I think we had up to 45 projects in play and no staff because they were all powered by volunteers, generous Coloradans. But what we do now is different because we are celebrating actually tomorrow um, our third anniversary. So we're going into four years of this work. Um, But now we have winnowed down our focus to be a, number one, an ecosystem innovator, mainly through insights, some research, but some just consistent development of insights because we talk to so many people and we have some cool instruments. So ecosystem innovation is needed here. It's a small community. And when it's small, things settle in and stay that way. But the main product we take to market is capital with wraparound services, which, you know, it's not that technical assistance is not available. It's just the quality is inconsistent, right? And it's not always wrapped around, if you will, or integrated into capital. And we learned through our own surveying and instrument our index that likely the chances of returning that capital are low unless there's a tight relationship to to technical assistance so let's talk about um the you talked about ecosystem innovation yep and a lot of our listeners are ecosystem builders yeah so that's a hard job hard job yep very hard job Uh, work measured in decades versus years, right? Uh, But let's talk about ecosystem innovation because I think uh, that's a fascinating idea uh, because 
a lot of people first don't have the bandwidth or the data uh, or even the the infrastructure or the support to go about thinking about it as innovation. A lot of them are kind of, you know, just connecting dots all day long, making That's sure right. capital is going where capital needs to go. Talk to us about this idea of ecosystem innovation and how you're using that to catalyze change. Yeah. So you have to start with a, a point of view around what an ecosystem is. There needs to be a mental model around that. And in my world, in my head, uh, having done this work for a long time, I look at it pretty holistically. Like that's my starting point. This is not about a coffee meeting. This is not about one introduction to a CDFI or a, or a, a VC. It's, it's different from that. So when I look at the ground, the region, or the community, or the state, I first like to map out the mental model of the assets that exist there. And because I am a tech person, technology person, I look through that lens as one of the, uh, one of the nodes but not the only node. So first I look at the economic conditions across the ecosystem, and you can get data around that. It's never perfect, it's not meant to be, it's directional, but you can get that from you know, the state, you can get it from the SBA, you can get it from PitchBook. So understanding best you can the economic conditions, the vibrancy, the resilience, you know, the downside of the economy is really important. Because you're, if you don't have that, there is no proper starting point. Then there is, okay, what are the other assets? Technology is one asset. Uh, industry, large companies is an asset. Community foundations is an asset. So imagine just a set of nodes with a label on them and you're assessing or doing an inventory of the assets in each of those nodes. And these, this is very normal work. This is not, you know, you don't have to go to the mountain to figure this out. Because if you don't know those existing assets through the lens of nodes in the ecosystem, it could be rural or it could be front range or it could be Denver or it could be Boulder. But whatever the geography is or that is, you have to map that out. Because your job as an ecosystem builder is to improve something, and the something has to do with economic conditions. It is a type, ecosystem builders are in a type of economic development, right? It's a type. It's not the traditional economic development many people do and are raised to do, but you are setting conditions to have new businesses get born and not just survive, but thrive. So. You know, you get that the conditions as much data as you can develop. Don't get, don't fret if it's not perfect. You're going to map out then the nodes which have to do with the capabilities that exist. Again, universities, VCs, um, entrepreneurs, large companies, uh, foundations, because those folks, those entities, come together to make business happen. They all bring something to business to the economy, the business of the economy. And that is, if, if that doesn't get done well, what will happen to your average ecosystem builder on your average day is that they will spin their wheels having one meeting after another, which I'm not even saying is not good. I'm just saying you need context for the investment of that time.
Yep. And I will uh, add to that. So when I first came into this field four years ago, so I'm relatively new compared mm-hmm. to your work, mm-hmm. uh, but I've been a, a student of this industry. Mm-hmm. What I found was that ecosystem builders uh, almost had a chip on their shoulder because they felt that they were doing this hard work. You know, Because it is hard, to, yeah. yeah. But I think that there are other players who don't have that label but are doing similar work uh, but with better ROI. And I'm not saying these people don't have ROI, but measurable ROI. And they are the economic developers. If we can marry those two, somebody that's a true connector with somebody that's truly understanding economic activity every single day, then you can fund this activity. Till you bridge that gap, yeah. you can't fund the activity because you can't like t- tangibly show ROI. And I think somebody like you is at the forefront of actually being both an ecosystem builder and an economic developer yeah. just from how you've been able to raise capital, right? That is like this, the first sign of the fact that economic developers trust you with their capital. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. But, but I will say uh, yes to your comment that it's frustrating. And I've heard this at Kaufman, at many convenings, you know, Rise of the Rest convenings when... Uh, Steve brings together ecosystem um, folks because his job is to go and catalyze them and bring support and and not just a little capital but a lot of of intellectual support and and structural support but I, I do think if an ecosystem builder would just look at their work as they would look at any business if you're in a business you don't just run around having meetings the first thing you do is understand the assignment. Yeah, yep. right? the impact. What is the outcome? No, and, and, yeah, what, and, yeah. and then you say, okay, that's what exists. Yep. Now I have a business around this thing that exists. What might be the outcome over at least tw- two years? Don't yep. do one year. Just yep. do two years, maybe five, but I would do two. Yep. And it's, but it's that those outcomes or those goals or objectives, yep. call them what you will, are down to what is possible between the nodes and you don't have access to all the people all the time so you're going to have to cherry pick just like you would in building a product roadmap a uh, go-to-market strategy you're going to have to cherry pick where to start who to go to first who has the most influence what's their point of view so it is a lot but the map of the nodes will help considerably against the data directional data that gives you a sense of the lay of the land and what is happening there and what's driving the economics of that area and and that's all the government wants they you know their job is to make investments or to to write policy that will drive economic growth of our country yeah right and be more competitive too and it can be framed through chips and science or many other ways. But that's what the government wants yeah. for us as citizens and communities and states. And so if you think of it that way, they're making big bets in areas. Sometimes they're verticals, sometimes they're geography, sometimes they're programs. But what they want to see is more than just a job, right? It may be that we've gotten confused about that as the major metric. I'm not saying it's not important, but in the new legislation that we're seeing, some of the outcomes that are mostly needed are around technology advancement. 
to ensure national security as well as economic security, right? Those are two different things. Those are two big North Stars, and then you work down from that. I do think the confusing part, if I could say, in my in my learning yeah. about this, I haven't done it forever, as you know. In the beginning, we talked about startup communities. Yeah. They were awesome, and they still are. Yeah. But a startup community can have a significant impact on a state, a region, a community, if they are connected to other nodes. That are doing slightly different work. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The nodes of... Yeah you know, workforce councils, the nodes of angel investors, the nodes of corporates who might use their product or service, the nodes of former entrepreneurs or existing entrepreneurs that want to share. We call them mentors, of course. So if you're running a startup community, thank you for doing that, whoever is listening, but you are only doing your work if there are ongoing windows and doors opened for your entrepreneurs and you must have a good inventory of all your entrepreneurs what they're building what categories they're pursuing from a market standpoint where they are in their capital raises and where they are with their with their with their talent with their employees because if you don't have that you have no ability to story tell yeah Zero. So then you're going to be frustrated because you're going to go call on the CEO of fill-in-the-blank company. You want to meet the CIO because you have seven products that are coming to market that maybe this company, this big co, will be interested in. But you're going to have to explain the what and the why to that CEO. And they don't understand startup communities. So your startup community, if you think of that as your first piece of the puzzle, it can grow organically as you open the doors and windows to the other nodes. I I want to talk about the regional uh, innovation uh, work, but before that, you know, I want to just stress what you just talked about is actually one level even above the ecosystem builder, and this could be an organization actually, is the role of that convener. Because ultimately you need somebody who can say, okay, I've got all these nodes, but how do they sing in harmony? Right, and yeah. and you're that you're that ecosystem convener, uh, and uh, it's and not that's just a, the innovation yeah. we attempt to do in the small business ecosystem yeah. Yeah. here in Colorado. That takes some courage and some skill. Yeah, to say to convene absolutely around a fill in the blank topic yeah. because not everyone wants to do that or be open to it or because most people are not natural collaborators. Collaboration is a very unique skill. And well, they make it actually harder in this industry because of funding sources, right? And the fixed mindset that if I win, you lose, right? Because you look at a grant and if there are two organizations applying, then you only look at- It's crazy making. (laughs) It's crazy making. And then you need to collaborate on top of that. No, no. Scarcity (laughs) is the norm in the mind of the humans I deal with. And that's okay. I do think though, you, myself, and hopefully those listening today, you need to go look up the definition of collaboration. It is about explicit trust. It is about transparency. It is about understanding goals, problems, and needs of those involved. 
Yeah. So you have to be a pretty good consultant or at least take a consultative approach to your meetings yeah. to really earn the right, not just to convene, but collaborate. Yeah. Because you're not going to convene without collaborating. So probably you have to demonstrate trust and a collaborative opportunity before you bring everybody together. Otherwise, they're going to sit there and stare at you, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it, it is it is true that there's skill and knowledge involved in being an ecosystem builder, period. But the, con- the strategic context is essential. Otherwise, you will burn out, yeah. fall out, yeah. and do something else. Yeah. And I- yeah. I'll be sad because or, we need more. <laughs> or, or the thing that I've seen the most be unfundable. Well, hell yeah. Because, Just, because ecosystem builders as a role, ecosystem building as a role, is not an economic development role. So it's unfundable unless you can show kind of this exactly. strategic and, convenience. And what yeah. would you show? The, the capital brought into yeah. your ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, the the pilots paid pilots done yeah. between large corporates yeah. and and a small business it doesn't have to be a tech business yeah. I was just on the phone with a, an initiative here called Shop BIPOC it's going to be it not is now it's, it will be a marketplace where small businesses register their products and services so large businesses hospitals large companies universities can go into the marketplace and find small businesses, BIPOC businesses, that they can use. Yeah. So this is not hard. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but if you don't have that kind of capability, that we will be able to measure everything in that system. And we're just getting started with it. But it's been done before. It's not a new no, thing. No. But it, it's an example of if you have some opportunities like that to aggregate, measure, have insights from that. That's part of your storytelling. Yeah. And then you can get funded. Yeah. Well, I want you to jump into the Regional yeah. uh, Innovation Act. I'll just say one really quick anecdote. Yesterday, I was in Denver, mm-hmm. and I went to this place called Green Space. Have you heard of them? I haven't. So this was an entrepreneur who started doing manufacturing. He was doing uh, apparel, and he found a space next to him uh, just uh, in uh, early 2021 that was a vacant space. 13,000 square foot, uh, black entrepreneur, like I think ex-college uh, basketball player, etc. So he had this clothing, he tried it for like three or four years, struggled to scale up his clothing line, which is very hard to get into uh, retail mm-hmm. uh, apparel. He bought this space and he turned it into a marketplace for others in the community to launch having like a 300 square foot, you know, uh, movable uh, space that you can come and actually buy. Uh, so for people starting in their community could actually have a place to do an MVP. Oh, awesome. Uh, oh, like I love that. that. So that, it's incubator-like. Yeah, and it's just an entrepreneur, like, you know, coming and saying, hey, how can I better my community? And t- talking about this BIPOC mar- marketplace reminded me that, you know, people in the community are starting to realize that there is power in this collective, uh, you know, coming together, if you will. So tell us about, you know, this regional innovation yeah. work. So I, you know, the, the reason I know anything about it is because I had the good fortune to be um, appointed or whatever the, the word is on the National Council for Innovation Entrepreneurship. So let's start there. That's yep. a, that's a, like the government has many, many, many councils, right? This is one of hundreds across government. This is in the Department of Commerce and it's very aligned with NSF and the EDA. Um, 
NIST and NOAA, I mean, all the bureaus yeah. of, of Department of Commerce we've been exposed to, but in this particular opportunity called Regional Innovation Hubs, we've re it's really been around the EDA because they will be the grant provider. Uh, you know, they'll place the NOFO, et cetera. But the Secretary of Commerce, Gina Raimondo, has been very involved in this, and it's been fun to watch her work, to get yeah. her no, to get to know her. I mean, she is like crazy busy and just a spitfire of energy and intelligence and understanding. It's just, it's just a, a, very inspired by her approach to not just her job, but to helping our country regain its competitiveness. Yeah. And so she had worked hard on chips and science, as you know, and this is one program in chips and science. There are others, so yeah. this is one program. So I want to be specific with the goal of it yeah. because the, the words matter. Yeah. And for your audience, uh, I think they, the words will trigger potentially activities that they can drive in their regions. And so, this is national, so there are regional national. hubs across Yeah, the this country. is going to be a $10 billion program uh, over time. Ten regional hubs will be launched. Now, there's other things that will happen up to that, which is typical EDA process. But the eye on the prize yeah. for a region, multi-state or single state, uh, and it could be a vertical in one part of a state is a um, billion dollars for five years. Okay. Right. So think of that as yeah. the fundable, as catalytic capital yeah. to ensure um, that technologies in that area um, can be advanced, okay. new businesses built, and that talent patterns can shift dramatically, okay. right, uh, around diversity, inclusivity, and just a wide range of job opportunities. Not just engineers, right? All jobs required to build businesses with certain technology focuses. Is this uh, complementing i and the SBR, STTR? Yeah, I mean, all of, all of these programs, I mean, the SBA has its own yeah. investments, its yeah. own programs. The NSF, yep. National Science Foundation, has its own investments and programs. Then the Department of Commerce through the DOC has programs like Build a Scale and Build Back Regional Challenge and Recompete. And this Regional it's, Innovation Hub is one of those. Got it. But if you're an ecosystem builder, one thing I would do to understand your opportunity, your potential opportunity, is I would get clear on any investment the federal government has made through grants yeah. in your region. Because that's an important, going back to assessing yeah. how the government looks at your region yeah. is based on investments that have been made in it and the outcomes from those investments. So if I'm gonna do this next big play, a billion dollar play over five years, I'm, I'm understanding that. Yep, that's yep. really important work. That's data collection and inventory work because that would be part of your thinking. And it would tell you, do I have a shot on goal yeah, or not? Yeah, yeah. Right, like Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, I've been on the phone with Pete and Dave Knox. Yeah. I'm like, 
guys, giddy up. Let's yeah. have this. Let's let's yeah. enjoy this opportunity. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying you're going to win it. I have no idea. That's not yeah. part of my job. Yeah. But that's an example. Or it could be Columbus. Or it could be Cleveland. Or it could be Louisville. Or it could be Denver. But you have to know what you got. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Tell well, I just yeah. this this yeah. is important because. Yeah there is a message track that ecosystem builders need to have. You don't want to make this up because you've got huge leverage around you if you're consistent with the messages. So it's very simple. First of all, the Tech Hubs program seeks to equitably and inclusively, two separate words, strengthen U.S. economic and national security. Pause. Two things. National security, economic security, through equity and inclusivity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, like, really pay attention to that. Yeah. And the next set of words economic developers know well, your ecosystem builders will too, is place-based. Yeah. Much of the program work that the DOC has done through the EDA and other partners has been place-based. Because not all ecosystems are going to qualify for yep. this. Okay? Yep. They're just yep. not. Yep. So we're more focused through NACI, through my work on NACI yep. in this program, we're very focused on potential versus need, which is not to say underserved states that don't have ecosystems yep. like Mississippi. You know Mississippi. I'm from there. I'm not saying they don't qualify. I'm just saying if you're the government and you're yep. going to put $10 billion to work, you want to make sure that you're working primarily with regions that have lots going on. So essentially you're saying they're not looking at where is the biggest need because there are other government entities that are looking at that. This is primarily focused on where is the biggest bang for our buck. I think because they want a return, right? And again, there are other aspects of the legislation that would support other areas that haven't gotten as far as Minneapolis or Madison, Wisconsin or whatever, right? But mainly we're looking for quick wins. Can I you ask place you, your dollars? Can I ask you a hard question? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we are working on an entrepreneur of color fund. Uh-huh. And looking at that data, we see that and I'm using this to kind of draw an analogy to uh, to what you're talking about. What we found in there is that CDFIs have been traditionally funded to help with uh, underrepresented uh, communities. Their goal is equitable and inclusive capital. Mm -hmm. Guess what? It's neither inclusive nor equitable because through our data, we found, and this is Southern Dallas, over 50% of small businesses in Southern Dallas don't even apply, Mm -hmm. don't even apply because they have self-selected them out of the process from years of rejection and those people still are in business. So when I hear about inclusive and equitable and then I hear that it is to drive ROI on my dollar, it makes me cringe a little bit because part of funding, and so when when they do these entrepreneurial color funds, guess what they do? They create more capacity at the CDFI and guess what that does? It never solves the problem. Because CDFI, a lot of them pride themselves in being like fiscally responsible like a bank which again is to the detriment of the people who yeah. they're trying to serve, right? So that sometimes when you're focused on ROI, it, some of the other definitions are hard to work. And so I'm yeah. asking you a hard question. It, no, no, I understand what you're yeah. asking. The problem you're outlining to me connects to two points. One is 
trust between the businesses in South Dallas and whomever provides capital or any other kind of service to them, okay? Number one, because rejection does not breed trust, um, but there's some accountability there, right? That has to be in, has to take place both at the, the entrepreneurial level as well as the CDFI. Yeah, but they've defined trust as repayment and they've defined trust as meeting a credit score threshold. So the defining trust also needs to be questioned because right the, the, when we talk to the, the entrepreneur, uh, the ecosystem builders in Southern Dallas, they'll say the business that's been rejected is still operational five years later. And they've gone to online lenders and they've got to predatory lenders. They've stayed in business, oh. but they have lost uh, the profitability 20%. Sure, right? because and, of the And then they've been held back from yeah. wealth creation yeah, no, and right home on. ownership, right? No, there's so, a swirl there. And then so when, I, when we a talk... A spiral. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I'm looking at a lot of these programs that are coming out and even SSBCI, which has a 1 to 10 uh, uh, ROI ratio, mm-hmm. right? And I'm saying that if we are trying to address systemic changes, and sorry for that one hard question. I only have one hard no, no, question no, no, for the no, podcast. Well, I understand. And, 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 you know, really thinking about how do we intentionally focus on both elements? Yeah. Well, this is the work of the ecosystem builder. This is not the government work. The government, <laughs> our electives wrote a bill, and we've trans- the bill has been translated into a program yeah. with very specific eligibility requirements, right? As you would imagine. So what I would say, which is not, it's not hard to say this, I would say if you're an ecosystem builder in whatever state you're in, this is your job to figure out, not just like I want to apply, but what would be the core strategy inside the application around the technology, the entrepreneurs, all the other entities. So you could, in your own terms, achieve this, right? And, and that's all the government wants. They've done the big work. The hard work is left to us. No, <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm doing this all, I mean, I'm having conversations in many states and working in my own, as you know, Colorado, to help us think through this. It's not just about, oh, well, we have a bunch of... Uh, tech folks and manufacturing. And so uh, let's go get some people of color in the community colleges and pair them up with a couple. It's, it's much more complex than that. By the way, remember ecosystem is about complex systems theory. That was in Brad's latest book, Brad yeah. Feld's latest book. It is very complex. It is an organism, yeah. right, that has these touch points and these edge cases. So I would say to your point, that makes me sad to know. I could talk all day about things that could be done on the innovation side, on the credit score, on the application, on how the outreach happens, on how that convening happens, and how the tracking, I mean, this is just this is just business, which is what you all do at Energize Colorado, exactly. right? A lot of these fundamental principles you've applied. Actually, we tried yeah, to. Yeah. I mean, to say we're experts would be a stretch because we're learning like everyone else. But this is the opportunity for an ecosystem builder. Yeah. This is 
I mean, it's been going on, what, ecosystem building for 20 years or so, but it started in kind of a funky way with just little startup communities and t-shirts and coffees, you know, and beers and mentors talking about, you know, when you get an exit, how cool it's going to be. I know, really. But now it's very sophisticated. And Mackenzie has a new book out you should read about ecosystems. It is the new growth path. Well, that doesn't surprise me. We've heard about lots of tech companies having ecosystems around them. Back in the day, Oracle did, for God's sake, yeah. right? And that's how Silicon Valley was built. Hell yeah. yeah. So we're just applying the fundamentals of ecosystem now in a very different way in this regional innovation hub. We're saying it has a big, hairy-ass opportunity. And that's what we all want. Yeah, <laughs> and like... If you're an ecosystem builder, I'd be dragging down the text. Yeah. I would be looking at McKinsey's latest article, which is yeah. very well done. And I would be paying attention, but I want to end up. Yeah. How would you describe a region, let's stay on point with this program, that has potential? How do you know that it does other than what I've shared? You know, I understand the economic conditions there. I understand the, what the feds have invested, if anything. Or the state. doesn't have to be the federal government. It can be the state. So we're interested, according to what I'm learning, um, in making place-based investments in regions that have assets. Remember me talking about that earlier in our discussion? Resources. Many different ESOs. What do we have here? We have the Blackstone Entrepreneur Network. We have Startup Colorado right out in rural Colorado. We have Endeavor. I could go on and on about, we have E for All. These are entities that have been, have come here. Others have brought them here. They have executive directors. They have their own little ecosystem. The fact we have all those is a good thing, right? Because those are investments that have been made. And we have some BBRC planning grants. We didn't get to the finals there. But all of those matter because those are resources and assets that have built capacity, mm-hmm. right? People yeah. able to do things and potential. Yeah. Remember that word? Yeah. Potential versus yeah. need. Yep. Yeah. To become global, com- globally competitive. Remember, globally is very important. This is not local yokel. I'm not saying people aren't local or in communities, but they have to be able to think globally with the products and services they're building, right? They have yeah. to for this particular grant, yeah. maybe yeah. not for all grants, in advanced and emerging technology industries. And there are 10 of those. And they're those that we understand well. It's AI, it's additive manufacturing, it's cyber you know, this is not like mind blowing, yeah. but these are technologies that the government has deemed essential to our economic security yeah. and our national security. So this is to all the ecosystem builders out there. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. Once in a lifetime. And it is complex. And so it's not ever going to be perfect when you look at it. It's up to the ecosystem builder and his or her team to think through the elements, not just this one sentence, yeah. but when the NOFO hits, which will probably hit, I don't know, a couple of months, okay. and there's already an RFI out. Okay. You can post that on the podcast. Yeah. It was out. The EDA sent that out 
two or three weeks ago. It's due the middle of March. If you look at that RFI, this is not a letter of intent. This is a request for in, feedback. Yeah, yeah. Because I've asked that question. Yeah. But if you look at that carefully, you will see the blueprint of how the EDA is looking at the NOFO, in my humble opinion, yeah. right? And what we're doing to finish off on the Regional Innovation Hub program, this whole program that I've been involved in, we have, we, our working group inside NACI, we'll be making our final recommendation next week as well. We've already made it once to Secretary uh, Romando and to Assistant Secretary um, Castillo, yeah? And it will mirror what I've discussed on this podcast. It's not law, it's just eight people's perspective on what a regional innovation hub should look like. So that will be posted on the NACI website, which is an EDA asset. So there's, I would just say, uh, in wrapping this up with ecosystem builders, just thank you for doing the work you do. Um, It is really, it's always been important. It's more important than ever because there is a high level and consistent level of understanding about the value of ecosystems relative to economic vitality. And when you have that, markets move. And so maybe the context of the work can shift, can strengthen as it shifts and therefore be more fundable to your point earlier. It's going to take extraordinary leadership though, right? This, this, the leadership for one of these regional innovation hubs is non-trivial. A person who leads one of these applications and wants to lead this hub, they need to think about being the CEO of a B Corp. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying in my world, like this is not, you know, let's get a few people together and have a meetup. Yeah. This is running a major business. This is a billion dollar P&L. No. Heck yeah. Yeah. And so there's a new entity. This yeah. is not going to be put in someone's bank, yeah. you know, some nonprofit's yeah. bank. Yeah. There'll be a new entity. It will be a public-private partnership. Yeah. You will have serious governance around it. You will have to have a board. Yeah. Right. You will have to be a hardcore leader with specific ecosystem experience. Yeah. And so therefore, only nine of these babies, nine or ten, right? Yeah. If if all the money comes together right now, it's only five hundred million okay. towards a program size or target of ten billion. Yeah. And the reason I use the word quick wins is because to get to that ten, you're gonna have to get bipartisan support for more money to be put into this program. Yeah. So we don't have any time to waste yeah. or money to waste either yeah. because 500 million will go fast yeah. just in planning grants. So imagine $50 yeah. million dollar planning grants towards yeah. the larger yeah. grant. But it is just so exciting yeah. for those of us that have done the work. It's so exciting to see the opportunity. And, it, and it's not just an academic opportunity. It's not just a hard science opportunity, right? So I want everyone out there to realize there is a very important role for R1 schools in this particular program. Very important role. But this is not 
their grant. This yep. is an ecosystem grant. Yeah, right? absolutely. For the, one of the first large-scale ecosystem right. grants. And so universities are excellent federal grants, yeah. and we yeah. love them for yeah. that. And they do basic research yeah. like no others, not like no one else. And that is important to leverage, but this will be a different opportunity. This is a 10x ROI. It's not just uh, patents. This is commercialization programs. This is selling. It's all our, of that. Yeah, it's, it's all of that. In fact, on our team, we had some very esteemed commercialization leaders from several universities. If I named them, you would say, wow, yeah. I felt wow. Yeah. And they're so excited too, because they know it's an opportunity for regions, ecosystems around them and for them to have a significant role right to bring their discoveries and to commercialize their their basic research so it's it's a big play because you're going to have VCs nonprofit lenders on the capital side community foundations on the capital side yes you're going to have large corporates yeah. and this this you know if it's done right 10 is actually a small number right 10x oh, because yeah. You know, you can think about, you know, these could be global programs, global companies that spin out of this. No, for sure. That's the whole point. Yeah. Track the number of companies yeah. and the growth of them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which equals how many customers they have, right? <laughs> yeah. now, and how many employees they have. But yeah. really, this is about advancing the company. Yeah. The last thing I want to say um, on in this interview is McKinsey taught me a lot when I had the opportunity in Cincinnati, right? And I remember being recruited to do that work at Centrifuge. I really had no clue what that would be like. I was so excited. I moved there from San Francisco, you remember. And it was the best four years of my life. I've never had that much fun. I've never learned that much in my whole life. It was significant for me, and it's why I continue to do the work. Yeah. But I want to give a, a plug. I mean, all the global service providers are awesome, but McKinsey in particular in Ohio, was very important to me because they're the ones who really teed up and researched, did the diligence for the opportunity to, to, to launch Centrifuge, which is a public-private partnership in Southwest Ohio, Northern Kentucky, and Southeast Indiana. Now, the reason I'm bringing up McKinsey, go, though, is that they're, they've been tracking this bill for a long time. They're very smart like that. And they just published a blog post or an article Called, called Building Innovation Ecosystems Accelerating Tech Hub Growth. And it just came out in February. It was just February 28th. I mean, it has been out less than a week. I use it every day. I send it to folks a lot. And I consider myself a thought leader, but I don't have time to write, and I'm not as good as they are writing. But I would encourage you all to get this, and you should we post this, this as well. Yeah, in the link. And yeah. McKenzie's very involved in our work yeah. here in Colorado. We're honored to have them in involved because they're just wicked smart, and they understand this stuff very well. But if I'm an ecosystem leader, I'm gathering assets to give me a deepen my understanding of the mental model that may need to be true to to apply for the Regional Innovation Hubs grant, yeah. right? And they, it's excellent. And then there'll be the piece that I'll, we'll, our team will put up. I'll give that to you. Net-net, there, there are plenty of resources. Yeah. So do not fret. Do not fret. Get excited. Uh, get digging in. Dig in and research. Do all the things that good ecosystem leaders do. And David, uh, thank you for the opportunity to showcase this specific program, but also just to talk about 
my own perspective of what ecosystem building is. And, and it is challenging, but it is one of the most rewarding professional roles I think anyone could have that has that desire to collaborate, convene, and make business happen in a different way. Well, thank you for being on the show. Uh, one last question. If our listeners uh, who are doing very important work around the country would like to reach out to you, what's the best way? I know you're super busy. What's the best way to reach out to the, you, follow you? Yeah, the, for, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Okay. But honestly, the best way is the old way, which is email. Okay. And it's wendy at wendyleelea.com. And, and LinkedIn is fine, too. I'm happy to you know to interact on on linkedin but it is hard to keep up with all the channels yeah right especially right now because i'm on a sprint yeah for nacy yeah um and then i'm working in our state around the regional innovation hubs program and then i have a day job which is which is energized colorado which is my co-founding passion project that i'm so proud of i can hardly stand it it's so cool well thank you you're welcome Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast about entrepreneurship-led economic development. Special thanks to our renowned guests for joining us. You can find show notes, more episodes, send us ideas, and subscribe to our newsletter on our website, economicimpactcatalyst.com. Breaking Down Barriers is a presentation of Economic Impact Catalyst and is edited by Lauren Bernard. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Breaking Down Barriers, available for free wherever you listen to your podcasts.